we have a simple goal here on Concord Matters, to seek unity in our confession of the Christian faith through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says it well from Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We seek this harmony by the Holy Spirit, of course, through the study of the clear and concise teachings confessed in the Book of Concord. Because we confess here as Lutherans that we believe, teach, and confess that these writings are in accord with God's holy word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. As we come together today, if you were to ask the normal Christian person, what is the church? Or maybe even more specifically, what does the church do? What do you think their response would be? This was a question that not only comes to our minds today, but came together in the 16th century. What is the church? What is the church to be about? And whatever the answer would be, I think a lot of times we would get a plethora of different answers, which is why we go back to the basics today to see what God's holy word has to say. So join us. Open up your book of Concord. Open up your Bibles and let's start confessing. If you have any questions concerning our study of the Augsburg Confession, send us an email. KFUO at KFUO.org. KFUO at KFUO.org. Joining us in the Confession of Christ this morning, we welcome back Pastor Ben Meyer of Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio. Pastor Meyer, welcome back to Concord It's good Matters. to be with you. Pastor, uh, so as we look at our text today, uh, which is from the Augsburg Confession, Article 7 and 8, which is two articles about the church, there might be some times we're like, why would we need to focus so much on that? It's obvious what the church is, but if, Pastor, if someone were to go on a line, let's say even just at your church or the churches I attend or when I travel throughout the district, line up 100 people and say, what is the church? What are the answers you think you might Yeah, it's a really good question because uh, it should be simple, but it's it's not as simple as people <laughs> uh, usually think. Um, you know, you get the sociological view that people have, well, it's, it's this number of people and they gather for similar interests or, or something like that. Sometimes they uh, put it around a structure. So uh, the papacy defines what the church is or something like that. Uh, but it is, it's really important to know what the church is so that we know where the church is uh, because there are a lot of false churches that exist. Uh, in fact, <laughs> it's, it's really easy to find false churches. Uh, they are abundant uh, in all around us. It was interesting to me, there was a, a church in the, in the town that I serve where it was called the Spiritual Unity Center. And I remember one time, for whatever reason, I must have been really bored, but I listened to kind of a, a service that they had and I remember throughout the service, they had portions of it that, unfortunately, I think many people wouldn't catch that this is not a Christian mm. gathering, that that they're just speaking in generalities. Like one of them, they said, well, stewardship is using your time, talents, and treasures to the glory of God. And you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. that's the language we use. And so how easily we can be dismayed about, uh, you know, what is the church, specifically, like you said. Uh, we'll quote Jesus, where Jesus says, where two or three are gathered right. in my name, there I am. 
And people are like, yeah. well, that's the church. And you're like, okay. So then when Ben and I and some of your friends, Pastor Knippa and others go to a baseball game, therefore the Brewers game or the Twins game becomes the church, which can bring great confusion for all of us. Or you and I go to the Metallica concert and all of a sudden that is the church. And so it's obvious that we need clarification, but are there other um, concerns that we have in today's world of why this is so important? Well, you need to know where the church is uh, so that you know where the blessings of Christ are for you. Uh, that's really at the heart of the matter. Uh, in fact, when I, when I was teaching this article to my adult class, our, our midweek class, we were going through the Augsburg Confession. I, I think the way in which the articles are laid out are really, it, it's really helpful for us to understand this. It, it begins with God, article one, right? You got to know who God is if you're going to know anything else. You know, that's the foundational thing. Article two, you get to original sin. Here's the problem, right? Here's the, the problem that mankind has and there needs to be a solution to that problem of sin that separates us from God. So then you get Article 3, the Son of God, here is the Savior. He's the solution to this. So he comes along as the, the Savior to overcome that problem of sin, uh, which gets to Article 4 on justification. You know, how is that now received by us? So by, by grace through faith, as we Lutherans know quite well. Then you get Article 5. Well, here's the office of holy ministry, which is there so that the saving work of Jesus can be delivered, right? So that we may obtain this faith, the ministry of teaching the gospel and administering the sacraments was instituted. That leads then to new obedience, Article 6. And then Article 7 on the church is now where, where those who have faith in Christ are going to be. Where are they going to be? They're going to gather together, but what are they going to gather together around? Is it going to be just common interests? Is it going to be people that have uh, personalities that they like? Uh, well, how is it going to be defined, what we gather around? Well, Christ tells us what we are to gather around, and and it's actually Christ around whom we gather. So knowing what the church is and, and where it is to be found is is important because it is necessary to receive that ministry, to receive that gift of justification, to uh, be empowered for new obedience. Um, we have to be in the in the right church for these things to be taking place. And this is vital for you, our listeners, to continually ask the question, because we can we can focus a lot at the church on the non-essentials, if you will. For example, we can spend all summer worried about, okay, what's the fellowship meal or the potlucks coming up next fall and into the winter and and focus on um, other activities like going to a baseball game. I, you know, I'm, I'm knee deep in baseball right now, <laughs> pastor. So that's I'm going to bring it up. Just count how many times Good I bring stuff. it up. I love it. Um, go to baseball games or whatever it might be um, that really can overwhelm us. And there are times where we get tempted to, we're so busy with those things that we're in the church building that we can neglect what you just said, Christ mm -hmm. and his gifts. Uh, what's your concern about that in the, the church today? Well, I think there is such a, a temptation to make the church a sociological institution where 
We make it about all of those other things. And now, really, what's driving the church at that point is is not Christ. It's not uh, the mission of God. It's common interests in other stuff. And so if that's the case, then we're not going to be about the things of God. We're not going to be about Christ. We're not going to be what Christ made his church to be. We need to be uh, the people of God uh, to the world, faithfully sharing that gospel, faithfully living out our vocations, and uh, gathering around the word and the sacraments so that we can be what uh, God has intended for us to be. Well, I'm thinking I'm ready to start digging in because we can talk all day about what the church isn't, but it's important to focus on Absolutely. what it is. So we are on page 30, page 34 of the Book of Concord, the Reader's Edition, Concordia of the Lutheran Confessions, Concordia Publishing House, page 34, and we'll be studying Articles 7 and 8, beginning with Article 7, and we'll begin with a note. Article 7 has been rightly called the Evangelical Magna Carta of the Lutheran Church. It cuts through the clutter of man-made ceremonies that had accumulated by the 16th century, focuses on, focuses on the heart of the matter, and defines church with eloquent simplicity. Outward unity in the church is shaped, defined, and normed by biblical truth, teaching, not the other way around. Church fellowship is common participation in the saving treasures of the church, Christ's gifts, his gospel, and his sacraments. Not only quote-unquote gospel will do, but only that the gospel, which is purely taught alongside correctly administered sacraments, as noted in the German version. And there's also other references in the Apology and the Small Called Articles. Pastor, kind of wet our palate a little bit. Any thoughts as we look at the note and to uh, start us off? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's, it's an important thing for us to understand what's essential. Right. What is the true, what's necessary for true unity? Um, and we, we like to look at external things a lot. Um, but we forget about the, the, the external thing that God has actually put in place or the external things that God has put in place. Sometimes, um, the Holy spirit works through the means that God has promised. So, uh, the, the church is there to be faithful with the gospel and the sacraments because that's the way in which God has promised to be at work. So we, we must be you know, careful to uh, be faithful in how we practice those things and, and how we teach those things. And what struck, strikes me about uh, looking at even the note is how we are obsessed with keeping it simple because we make things more complex. It's, it's, it's not much different than me trying to figure out how to fix something in my home that I'm thinking about all that could go wrong as opposed to just doing it. <laughs> or I'm thinking about all the other dynamics and, oh my gosh, I'm worried about this, worried about that, worried about this. And finally, it gets, gets to the point where the saving treasures, Christ's gifts, his gospel, and his well, I, sacraments. Yeah, and I think so that word how about gospel. This? Go ahead. That's that's kind of the main thing I think from that note is yeah, yeah. Uh, when you start putting other words in front of the that word gospel or or right after that mm. word gospel as modifiers, you're probably not dealing with the actual gospel. 
Uh, so if you're talking about uh, social gospel, well, now you've mm. changed the message. Uh, you've made it about something other than the full good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, so we have to be very careful with um, teaching that, understanding that, using that as as God has handed it to us. That's a good point. And that's something I would encourage our listeners to go back to our study with Pastor Jason Bredesen on justification. Because when we add words to justification um, or to the gospel, then we're probably putting ourselves into the equation too quickly. That's usually how we, how we do it is, oh, well, the living gospel, that that we're living out the gospel. Okay, all right. So let's, let's talk about that. What does that mean? And and that's why it's important, not only going back to AC4, you know, uh, that's the foundation of the church stands or falls. This might be the Magna yeah. Carta, right? Um, but that is definitely the foundation where the church stands or falls, the justification. So yeah, this is great. I think almost every episode from here on out, I'm going to reference AC4 <laughs> every single time. So well, I, think I think we you, got it now. You always we keep going now, back so. to Jesus and you go back to his finished work. <laughs> and so it's always about Jesus and justification. I always tell my, my people, if you get Christ right, if you get, uh, justification, right? You've got a chance to get everything else right. You might not, but you got a chance to get everything else right. If you get either of those things wrong, everything else is going to be warped by that misunderstanding. Well, let's make sure we are clear as we look at the church. So we'll confess on page 34, the Augsburg Confession on the Church. Our churches teach that one holy church is to remain forever. The church is a congregation of saints in which the gospel is purely taught and the sacraments are correctly administered. For the true unity of the church, it is enough to agree about the doctrine of the gospel and administration of the sacraments. It is not necessary that human traditions, that is, rites or ceremonies instituted by men, should be the same everywhere. As Paul says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, which is from Ephesians 4. Verses five through six. Well, Pastor, I you know mm -hmm. it's very simple, um, but it, it it brings up a lot of other questions. So let's keep it simple. What is the church according to the Corinthians? Yeah. The church is the congregation of saints in which the gospel is purely taught and the sacraments are correctly administered. So that's the main thing, right? That we it it is those saints, those who have been made holy by the blood of Christ, who gather around the gospel as it is purely taught uh, and gather around the sacraments as they are administered in the way in which Christ has given them to be administered. It's very, very simple. And if you understand that, then it drives what we do as far as ministry. You know, this is what the church is, and that's therefore what the church should be about. It's about gathering together and receiving Christ in his gifts. And you can't do that if you're not there. Well, and that's, so let's, let's just make this simple. That if someone were to say, well, I think that's a good church, or I'm not sure if that's a good church. The question yep. we should always ask is what? what? What should we ask somebody and say, well, I want to find a good church. Maybe we need to. Begin right. with the basics. What what should we ask somebody to challenge them when they're looking? Yeah, it's a for really a good church. question to ask because you know, what do people tend to look for? They look for a charismatic pastor. 
or they look for a dynamic youth group because we've got kids and we want them to get involved in this big youth group. Or uh, I want a church that feels like home or feels right to me. Um, and none of those things are bad in and of themselves, right? Those are those are fine. But what they need to be looking for first and foremost are the marks of the church. The word of God being rightly taught, the sacraments being rightly administered. And so what does that look like? Well, <laughs> that's where the, the catechism is really, really helpful for understanding. If you're, if you're teaching things that are in accordance with the small catechism, uh, you, can, you can go through and you can see, are they teaching things that are, are according to this or contrary to this? Uh, and, and that's a good summary of scripture for us. Uh, the first thing that you need to look for, though, is uh, do they have the word of God being purely taught? Are they administering the sacraments rightly? If they don't understand those things correctly, if they're not practicing those things correctly, the other stuff is going to be skewed as well. It was interesting to me as, as you, as you bring that up is what we don't want to do is, is twofold. We don't want to go in and just be <laughs> hound dogs the whole time because then you don't ever listen to what actually sure. is being said, but it is something where you prayerfully have an open ear, prayerfully pray for the pastor and the people in the congregation, in case you have some question marks that go into it. But it really is a feeling of, you know, we should have some kind of monitor. And I heard this monitor before, is that when you go to church, you ask the question, okay, how often is Jesus mentioned? You know, Christ is, is okay, Son of God's okay, the, the Savior of the world is good, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, all of that. If, if you go there and Jesus right. is never mentioned, yeah. probably not a good church. Um, the other one is, is Jesus driving yeah, that's the what verb? I was, that's what I was going to say. That one. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> is it, you know, that we need to be like Jesus or Jesus has died right. for you? Yeah. Are you hearing right? Christ for you other, or other... are you hearing what you yeah. must do for Christ? Because that's a big exactly. difference. So, huge difference. Pastor, what other, what other uh, um, uh, encouragement you have for our listeners when they go to a church to determine if it yeah. is the church, you know, simple, not over judgmental, but still simple. Ways I was actually to talking to a friend the other day. Uh, he had somebody come and visit his church from, from another church. And he, he looked at that church's website and he just by a quick glance through the website was able to figure out, okay, this church doesn't believe much of anything. <laughs> uh, so I would encourage people, you know, if you are looking for a church, maybe you're moving, maybe you're on vacation, check out the website ahead of time and see what their statement of faith says. Make sure that you're seeing the things that are in accord with the word of God. Make sure that uh, you're seeing Christ for you. Make sure that you, they're understanding the sacraments, not just as symbols that are remembering, but as also being uh, God's gifts through which he's actively at work. Uh, so I would, I would look for those kinds of things. Are, are you seeing Christ for you? Are you seeing the, the sacraments viewed as gifts through which God is actively at work? Or are you just seeing... Um, you know, the pastor at the, the center of all things or the um, activities being the main thing. You know, is it about Christ or is it about these other things? 
And so that's one time I, I had a Bible study in my first parish where we went through kind of a list. Okay, this is what you should look for. And it was it was a great discussion because it, it brought a lot of people, including myself, to think about my own practice mm -hmm. as a pastor. Of Am I making this about Jesus or am I talking about the announcements longer? Am I telling stories about myself more? Um, the temptation is great and it we can fall into it so quickly, which is why I encourage you, our listeners, that this is not an endorsement to go around and just go after people. But it is an endorsement that we are, one, gracious and patient, as the Lord promises to give us those things, um, and but also to be bold in what I need, as it says in Scripture, sir, we right. wish to see yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and may the church yeah. be about yeah. that. We, 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 need to be, we need to get out of the way and let Jesus be the one front and center. Amen. Amen. So what I love, too, about this confession is that it, it brings, as you mentioned before, the, it removes the good feelings, at least as the source of our hope, which can be so easily as well. Because obviously, our feelings are from the Lord. Our, our emotions are gifts from God. But too often, we can go through a service, and then you're like, well, that was a waste of time. Like, that was not good at all. And that's why, for me, I need this filter so that I'm reminded of when I hear the Word of God, that I am not, I'm separating, that my foundation is not, I love the hymns, I love the songs, I loved how the people sang, I loved how they said amen, I love how dynamic the pastor is, that I'm talking about all those things. Oh, and by the way, they preach the mm -hmm. gospel mm -hmm. at the end of it. But if we know that the gospel is there, and we know that I've received the sacraments, or you've seen like that people reminded you of your baptism, or you see a baby baptized, or whatever it might be, that no matter how the feelings are, that you know the church is there. And why is that so important for our world? Well, because if it depends upon my feelings, sometimes I'm going to go to church and I'm going to feel really great. I'm going to, you know, the all of the feels are going to be there. You know, some of the, those hymns that just give you goosebumps. Uh, the pastor nails it with the sermon. Uh, everything just is, is really kind of a, a great feeling that day. And other times you're going to go to the church and you're just already drained and you get there and you're like, oh no, pastor chose this hymn. I don't even know this one. Um, and you know, people are, a lot of people are missing that Sunday. And if you're, if you're counting on getting a, 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 an emotional high from this, you're probably not going to, but if you're going there and you're seeing, okay, here are the promises of God. Okay, I have received the forgiveness of sins. I have heard the good news of Jesus. I have received the body and blood of Jesus. I know that I am forgiven. I know the Holy Spirit has been at work in me. Now you leave with that confidence. You leave with that certainty of knowing God has been at work in me through these memes, and I'm going back out into the world with the blessing of the Lord. Uh, and so it's it's a wonderful uh, confidence that we can have because of the promises of God. As we look about two minutes left in our time before our break, it's very clear that, okay, not all churches need to look exactly the same. What is what unifies one church to the other? For example, a northern Minnesota congregation versus one in Ohio. What, what does the confession teach us about what is required for true unity? Yeah, so it is not necessary that human traditions, that is, rites or ceremonies instituted by men, should be the same everywhere. 
So we need to be patient with each other and, and not demand that the way that you do things in Minnesota must be exactly the way I do things in central Ohio. Or the way I do things in central Ohio should be exactly the same as the way somebody else in central Ohio even might do things. Uh, there are other, you know, there are different ways in which this can look. Uh, but the main thing is the, uh, the gospel being purely taught and the sacraments rightly administered. So, uh, you know, I, I always wear an alb. I always wear a stole for my services. Uh, but if we didn't have those things, we would still be the church. Uh, we could still gather and receive the, the word of God and the, the, the sacraments without an alb, without a stole. Um, we could do it without a building. <laughs> but it's nice to have those things, right. too. So sometimes we, we set up false dichotomies and we say, well, an alb isn't necessary. A stole's not necessary. Um, so that means let's just get rid of them. Well, it's not necessary, but it might be helpful. Uh, it might be helpful in, in reminding us what the pastor is there to be about and to do. Um, so we should be mindful of this, thoughtful that we don't become just reductionists where we say, okay, let's just go for the, the minimalist um, unity that we can find. But we start with that and then let's say, all right, where can we have you know, greater unity uh, in how we practice things as well? I want to talk more about that on the other side of our break. We'll be right back as we study what is the church according to the Oxford. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple. And faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. What is the church? What the church is, according to the Augsburg Confession, in accordance with God's Holy Word, uh, Article 7, and we'll be going into Article 8. I want to take one more step back. Pastor, you have some unique um, ministry experiences where you currently serve, where you have the congregation that you serve at Hope, but also you work very closely with the Ethiopian Lutheran Church nearby in your community, and clearly... Um, there are some differences. I'm, well, I'm guessing there's differences of that congregation and your own, but there's also that unity you speak of. Can you speak to that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, there, there certainly is a, uh, a lot of, there are a lot of differences, um, but there is at the, at the core, a common confession, a common understanding. So yeah, we actually uh, have started doing once a month, we do youth group with um, two other uh, two, two Ethiopian congregations. There is a, a, a Romo-speaking and an Amharic-speaking congregation in Columbus. And so you have, even within the two different Ethiopian congregations, differences in how they go about some of these things. Uh, but they, they you know, in, in worship, um, 
the the singing that they do it sounds really really strange to american ears uh but what they're doing is they're they're praising god and they're singing uh about what christ has done for them just in a way that we're not accustomed to and, and in words that we wouldn't understand uh and the way in which we do that um well, they understand it a bit better than we do because they've had to adjust to the American context where we haven't had to go to Ethiopia and try to understand things in, in that context. But um, but it's a struggle for them as well. So it's it's really a beautiful thing that we get to gather together and, and start learning from each other a little bit. And we get to in, enjoy that great unity that we have, but also... Uh, without having to say, "Hey, you have to worship exactly the way that I do," otherwise, it's not—it's it, not real. It's not Lutheran. It's not authentic. Um, no, the the way that they're worshiping is real, and it is in accordance with the Word of God, and it is in keeping with Augsburg Confession, Article Seven, uh, and and so we have that great unity that we can rejoice in. This is why I think the words that we hear from the small called articles with uh, Martin Luther, which is article 12 of the church brings us back to this, because if you enter, for example, these Ethiopian congregations, you enter one of our churches in America, the Lutheran church, Missouri synod, it's good for us to take a few steps back of, I'm not comfortable with this, but okay, what does this mean? What's happening? What's all happening? But Luther says it great. And, and Pastor and I spoke about this. And I want to hear more of his words. We spoke about this before our program where Luther spells it out and he speaks about what the church is. And he says this, thank God today, a seven-year-old child knows what the church is, namely the holy believers and lambs who hear the voice of their shepherd, which is John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. And so it breaks it down saying, okay, there are times, and I've seen this in my own in ministry, and I'm sure you have too, Pastor, that a child understands what's going on mm-hmm. more than we do because they simply come to hear Christ speak to them, his grace, his forgiveness, and his love. Your thoughts on that quote from Martin Luther in the small call? Well, I, I have had people say, I, I want to meet that seven-year-old child. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, That's but, true, yeah. Yeah, I think, oh, I think... Man. One of the one of the wonderful things in in working with our youth in uh, this cross cultural context is um, their their fences aren't up in quite the same way that adults tend to be, uh, and so they're able to see past some of those differences to see actually what's really at the core and what's the same, uh, and it's that's a beautiful thing to be able to. Uh, to see and to experience, we we get the the youth together, and uh, the, each time they're more and more comfortable with each other and in interacting with the others from the other congregations, and it's it's a a beautiful thing to see. Uh, in fact, we're going to be if you're in the central Ohio area, we're going to be having a mission festival coming up on June 25th, the uh, the day of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession, and uh, it's going to be at Hope. Uh, at four o'clock, we're going to have uh, people from uh, uh, Pablo, people of the book Lutheran Outreach, who do outreach to Muslims uh, in the Columbus area, mostly Muslims from uh, some of the, the Middle Eastern countries. Uh, we're going to have people from uh, from Column, so the Central Ohio Lutheran Immigrant 
mission, which is uh, primarily uh, Ethiopian immigrants, but also Somali immigrants. Um, and, and some of those Somali Christians are going to be there sharing their uh, testimony of, of how, what God has done for them, bringing them to faith in Christ. And uh, we'll have a, uh, the, the deaf church from the Columbus area as a part of it and the uh, Central Ohio Mission Association. So it's going to be a really cool day to be able to see, okay, all of these different ways that God is at work, but to he, he's bringing people to the same church where they gather around the word and the sacraments and they receive Christ as the, uh, you know, justifying sacrifice for sins. Well, let's get to the next article because it, it is quite, I mean, as we're in the season of Pentecost, it is quite exciting to hear what Pastor Meyer is saying. I see it in, in the district that I serve. I see it when I go to a council president's meetings in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, how the nations are coming together which as you, the more you look at it, the more you realize this is truly the hand of the Lord. Because if it was me, you know, I would not never be able to do it. And if it was just Pastor Meyer or whatever it might be, you know, we wouldn't, we would not be able to do this. It clearly is a work of the Holy Spirit. So what is the church? Article eight, we continue with the confession, what the church is. We'll begin with the note. The article elaborates on Article 7 and makes it clear that the church consists only of believers in Christ, those made holy by the mercy, by his mercy. Hypocrites are not, in this, in this sense, any part of the church. One may think of the term church in a broad sense, a narrow sense. The church, broadly speaking, is all those who assemble around the word, around word and sacrament. Narrowly speaking, the church encompasses only believers. There are not two churches, one visible and one invisible. Rather, we understand that here on the earth, the church is hidden because faith or spiritual life is hidden with Christ and God, Colossians 3. This hidden church has public visible marks by which it is recognized with absolute certainty. Christ's gospel and sacraments purely preach and administered. Pastor, I want to begin with the uh, beginning of the confession to, yeah. to elaborate on this. The confession speaks, strictly speaking, the church is a congregation of saints and true believers. However, because many hypocrites and evil persons are mingled within, within them in this life, it is lawful to use sacraments administered by evil men, according to the saying of Christ. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, Matthew 23. Both the sacraments and word are effective because of Christ's institution and command, even if they are administered by evil men. I want to speak about what they're against in this, the condemnation of the Donatists, but I want to stick to this. What is the congregation of saints and true believers and how that looks in our world today? Because we can really get messed up, the visible and invisible church. And what does this mean? How would you start us off so we're not so confused? Yeah, I think the, the, the main thing is that we gather together around the word and the sacraments. You know, those are the marks of the church. Those are, that's, that's where you know that the church is to be found. So the idea that a lot of Americans have, uh, that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, uh, is really quite harmful. It keeps people from coming and actually receiving Christ as he has promised to come to us. Um, it's, 
yes, uh, you know, living as a Christian is more than just going to church, but it's also not less than that. Ah. And that's really helpful because we make going to church, which is law, mm -hmm. meaning this is what you should do. Right. What we're receiving is well, law and gospel. And we forget about that aspect of it. Now, I want to share this story. I know you, our listeners, have heard me say this. And Pastor Meyer, I think, will enjoy it too. Um, is when I was a seminary, fourth year, going to be a pastor in six months or so. Um, 940 was, was chapel in St. Louis at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. I'm blatantly not going to go. So I'm walking by chapel. Dr. Norman Nagel's walking the other way. And you address him, Dr. Nagel, good morning. And he points at the chapel and he says, God has gifts to give. He walks in, of course. What do I do? I'm convicted. I think it's great. <laughs> I still didn't go to chapel, though. <laughs> Yeah. But it, it brings it brings to the heart of what is being said here is yeah. what is the church? The church is the sacraments and the word. And these are true gifts. And this is we're going to talk about this a lot in the Augsburg Confession. These are true gifts that the Lord gives. And so what should a Christian person do? Yeah. Well, receive them. That's 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 who I, we there's are. A, I have a great quote from Norman Nagel here that, that pertains to this. He said, the trouble with fellowship is that it may float off and get disconnected from what it does or what it does at the altar in a way that communion and koinonia are not so apt to do what is called a fellowship hall could not be called a communion hall communion is most surely located where the lord is giving his body and his blood to be eaten and drunk which is where the mouths are into which he gives his body and blood uh, in other words <laughs> communion means actually gathering together and receiving from Christ. Uh, so if we are to be in communion, if we're to have that fellowship, that koinonia, uh, we don't have that from a distance. We have that as we are gathered together around the thing that uh, keeps us in common. You know, Christ is the thing around which we gather, that common thing uh, that, that binds us together. And that's what's so comforting about it is that, okay, always goes back to Christ, like you said, because we get Jesus wrong, then we get it all wrong. And then the definition points us back mm -hmm. to the gifts, the gifts of Christ, the forgiveness, life, and salvation. Now, what I like about this confession, and, and we have to be careful with it, because strictly speaking, it says, the church is a congregation of saints and true believers. Okay. Then the question comes, how do you really know? Mm -hmm that they're true yeah. believers because it says right here, there's hypocrites yep. in there. And so maybe the goal of pastor Meyer is he goes to his church on Sunday and kind of gathers up the people and says, I'm not sure if you're a true believer. Are you a true believer? I'm not sure. Right, right in the middle of the service and say, ah, I'm not so sure about this pastor. That might be a temptation we have like, well, there's hypocrites here. We better <laughs> find them out and get yeah. them out of here. How, how do we how do we reconcile this? Of we're defining terms, we're speaking very blatantly about what Scripture says. Well, at the same time, we are the body of Christ and living together in, in this fellowship. As you yeah, said, so one of the things is to look at the teaching of Jesus with the the wheat and the tares. Uh, it's not for us to determine who is a true believer and who's not. Uh, if they have gathered and they are confessing that same faith, then we are to take people at their word. 
you know, it, it's not for us to say, well, sure, you confess the small catechism to be true and your, your life appears to be, you know, that you're, you're trying to live in repentance, but I don't really believe you. So I'm going to say that you're a hypocrite. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't get to do that. We can't look to the heart. The Lord can do that. Uh, we don't have to worry about that. Uh, we take people at their word when they make that confession. And as an individual, if you're coming and you're struggling and you're thinking, am I a true believer? Well, that's why you're there, isn't it? <laughs> that, that you would receive Christ. Uh, and, and Christ is there for you to strengthen your faith. So if you're struggling in faith, you should come to the Lord's Supper because that's where Christ gives himself for you, to you, and strengthens you in that faith. Uh, so uh, I think it's it's important that we, we understand um, what the main thing about this article is. It's not trying to say, let's figure out who the true believers are and who are not true believers, but rather it's just saying those who gather around Christ, believing in him, that's the church. And so how do we find out? How do we find out who the hypocrite is? How do we do this, Pastor? We don't. We don't. <laughs> we don't. We don't. The Lord knows. And if somebody can deceive me, so be it. I don't really care that much. The Lord knows, right? Um, and so I don't have to worry about those things. In the same way, I think it's helpful to, to think of the other side here, where you know you get into that Donatist controversy. Uh, well, what if you find out that your pastor never believed anything he taught all those years, that he was just going through the motions because he kind of felt stuck in that position and he baptized your kids, but he never believed any of it. Uh, what do you do then? Are you really a Christian? Is your, is your child really baptized? Did you ever really receive the Lord's Supper? And our confessions are really helpful. In, in addressing that and saying, well, yeah, you sure did, because it's not about the individual that's delivering those gifts. He's not the one that makes it efficacious, but it's the promise of Christ. And so we can rely on the promises of Christ. Those things are certain. When I'm uncertain, where do I look? I look to Christ. I don't look to myself. I don't look inside myself. I certainly don't look to my pastor and think, well, he's He's sure and certain. Uh, no, I look to Christ because Christ is sure and certain. Let me read that last paragraph because you, you, you're touching on it. Well, you're proclaiming it beautifully. Um, that last paragraph on page 34 of Article 8, what the church is. Our churches condemn the Donatists and others like them who deny that it is lawful to use the ministry of evil men in the church and who think that the ministry of evil men is not useful and is ineffective. In that time range of the Concordians, the Reformers, there were a group called the Donatists that basically said, if the person is not holy enough, then the effectiveness of God's word is no longer effective. And what's the danger of that? I mean, it sounds good. Like we have very, very, very um, uh, clear statements of what an overseer pastor mm -hmm. should be about what a, a Christian should be and how they should live. What's the harm? Because it sounds pretty good to me. Like we want to make sure that, that we have faithful pastors and so forth. That, are, are we questioning whether or not we need faith-filled 
pastors yeah. to do the yeah. work. It's certainly not arguing for um, just putting anybody into the office. Uh, that's definitely not the argument uh, that's being made here. Um, we definitely need high standards because that's what God's word gives us in in First and Second Timothy and in Titus. There are standards for for the uh, man who is to be an overseer, to be a pastor, and we should uphold those stringently because uh, when they do fall, when pastors fall, or when they teach falsely, it has horrible impacts uh, on the church. But what this is saying is, okay, what happens when that when a when a pastor does fall, does commit grievous sin? Um, is that whole church now just in in doubt? Um, you know, did they ever receive the sacraments? Uh, is did they ever actually have Christ coming to them? And uh, the reaction to the Donatist controversy, the church had to wrestle with this because uh, people were being persecuted, and some of the clergy denied Christ to avoid persecution. And then after the persecution died down, they repented and they came back. And the Donatists wanted to say, no, 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 you can never be a Christian again. And the church wrestled with this and said, well, no, that's not how the grace of God works. Now, this person should not be a pastor again, but they certainly can be a Christian. They can be forgiven even of this grievous sin because Christ died for sinners. Uh, but the individuals under the care of a pastor that falls into grievous sin can be still be confident uh, that baptism was valid, that uh, administration of the Lord's Supper was valid because the Word of God was there. That's what it depends on. It depends on Christ's promises. Um, another another wonderful quote from Norman Nagel about this. He said, "You are not first sure of the church." And then, sure of other things, the church is the consequence of something else, the means of grace. So it starts with Christ and his promises and the delivery of the, the means of grace, and he makes the church through those means. Uh, and he does it through sinners. So even the best pastor <laughs> is a sinful man, and Christ still works through him. And this is a crisis that I want to encourage you, our listeners, is it's not only that you have a question of the effectiveness of, let's say that, like, for, for example, my first parish had a pastor who was now living a, a good and holy life in his marriage. And nine years prior to my arrival, had his family was torn apart and, and he had been there 13 years. So the question did come up during that time range after he left was, the, the, you know, was my baptism good? Was communion good? All of that. Well, that's a very clear, well, we know that the word of God is, is living and active. It doesn't say if your pastor's holy, then the word of God is living and active. Mm -hmm. It says it is living and active. At the same time, the struggle that many people have, and I, you know, you encounter this quite often is not so much, well, was the word of God good, but you just turn into, well, the church is just mm -hmm. full of hypocrites that, that you can't trust mm -hmm. any of them. And what would be your counsel, Pastor, for our listeners who maybe are a little bit burned by the church or or, or have friends who are burned by the church that will just kind of make it sound like, well, if there's any sinners there, then 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 the church is no longer valid. Yeah, my dad used to say, um, you know, when somebody would say that the church is full of hypocrites, he'd say, 
Yes, it is. And there's room for one more. You know, the, the reality is um, we often fail to live as we know we should live. We uh, are not always able to do what we say we know we should do, right? So we know the law. The law is perfect and holy. We are not, except by the blood of Christ. Uh, this is not an excuse for us. We shouldn't say, well, it doesn't really matter how I live then. No, we, we know better than that. Mm. But the reality is the only reason that we gather as the church is because we know we're sinners. We know that we haven't kept God's law. And so we we gather because we need Christ's forgiveness. The, the reason we gather on Sunday mornings is because Christ is there for us for the forgiveness of sins. The first thing that we do in the service is we confess, I'm a sinner. And then God, through his uh, ordained minister of the word, pronounces the forgiveness of sins, and you are forgiven. So, yeah, are we guilty of hypocrisy? We, 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 yeah, we have been. We are. Uh, we should not, um, you know, continue in hypocrisy. We want to repent even of that sin. Uh, but the reality is, yeah. Yeah, it, it, the church is full of hypocrites, and there is a room for another uh, hypocrite to come and receive forgiveness. This is why in Luke 24, it doesn't say, go and uh, proclaim forgiveness of sins. It says, proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Our job is to make sure that we don't allow sin to be the last word, or to make it sound like, well, that's okay. No, it needs repentance and the forgiveness on account of Jesus Christ, which is why we don't ever allow sin to be something that we dismiss, but it is something that we call for repentance. And obviously we cover it by the blood of Christ. That is what the church is, that the church gathers a bunch of sinners coming together, never dismissing sin as no big deal, but saying, you know what, that might be the way you are, you know, but in Christ, we don't have to be that way. And I thought that was a great way, like Romans 6, yep. when we talk about baptism, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, he says. But he brings us back to our identity, died in Christ and risen in him, which is what the church yeah. really is. Pastor, we have about five minutes left in our time here. What's, what are some of your thoughts for our listeners today as they are looking at the church, the simplicity of it, but also it's quite complex. Some well, of your thoughts. I want to share this from... Uh from Bo, Bo Geertz, one of my favorite uh, theologians here. He says, becoming a Christian means to be received into this life fellowship through baptism. Being a Christian means living there through the word and the sacraments in faith. A Christian by oneself is no Christian. One cannot live as a disconnected member. I think it's really important for us to remember the reality that Christ calls us together as the church. He doesn't call us to be individualistic Christians kind of walking on our own. Uh, the the uh, American individualism is so contrary to what we see in Scripture. But rather, we are called to gather together with a whole bunch of other sinners and receive the forgiveness of sins uh, be gathered around Christ, be united together with them in Christ, and uh, support one another in that Christian walk. 
uh, to hold each other accountable, to love each other, to be together with one another. Uh, the reality is the church is, uh, the church is, is made up of sinners and yet the church is so beautiful because Christ is, it, it, it is the bride of Christ and, and the church caring for one another, the church loving one another, supporting one another, helping each other to figure out life situations. It is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's really what we are called to in Christ. If you notice both articles, Article 7 and 8, it doesn't say the church is the individual. Yeah. <laughs> it, and, and, you know, the, it, the church is the congregation of saints in reference to Psalm 149, verse 1. And both, and both of them speak in that way that of saints and true mm-hmm. believers. This is a plural reality of us gathering together as people of faith and that faith is in Christ. Sometimes I think we, we, we don't speak Jesus. Sometimes we talk about faith, make sure you have Jesus in that talk all the time, but we gather as believers, the body of Christ gathered as one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism around his precious gifts. To me, pastor, this sounds way too simple. (laughs) Um, We need this gathering. We need potlucks. We need, you know, to, have cleanup day. We need to have this. We need to have that. Pastor, what would you tell? What would you tell our listeners that are probably like, this is a little too simple. Well, what we need Christ, you? right? And so, <laughs> yeah, cleanup day. Does that facilitate our being able to have a building and to uh, to welcome others into our our church so that they can receive Christ? Okay, as long as that's what what that's about, that's fantastic, right? But when the church building becomes an idol in and of itself, well, now we got a problem. Um, so, yeah, I think um, there are so many things that are good that we can do as the church that aren't necessarily necessary. Uh, but what is necessary is that we gather around the word. We receive the sacraments. Um, I think uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that would was writing about the, the church as uh, the, the, the term member. And we tend to think of the, the idea of a, being a member as being a part of a club or something like that. But really the, the word member in scripture is, is used as a part of the body. And a part of the body that is disconnected from the body, what does it do? It dies. So an individual disconnected from the body of believers that doesn't come and, and receive Christ and his living water, that body part dies. Uh, so this is one of the reasons it's so vital for us to continue to gather together because we are not individually the body of Christ, but we are collectively the body of Christ. And so we need to gather as the body uh, to be a part of the body. Otherwise, we're putting us ourselves in, in grave danger. We're putting ourselves in uh, in terrible risk. Pastor, with about a minute left in our time, your last thoughts, the church today of past and forevermore. The church is, is, uh, is flawed because of the individuals that make it up, but it's beautiful because of what is, what Christ is doing in those people. And so, uh, when we look around a room and we know all of these different things that these different people have done or thought or said, we also know that Christ is 
forgiven them. That Christ's uh, death on the cross was sufficient to pay for their sins as well as ours. And so now we can love them as Christ loves them. And they can love us as Christ loves us. Uh, and together we can continue to support each other and encourage each other in that Christian walk as we are filled with Christ. You know, we come and we receive Christ uh, for our forgiveness, for our strengthening of our faith. Uh, and uh, really, that's at the heart of it, right? Uh, that Christ is there to give us gifts, and we are there to receive. Pastor Ben Meyer of Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio, clearly confessing the truth of what Scripture says about the church. Pastor Meyer, thank you. My for pleasure. Being thank you for having me. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finner. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe.